0: Welcome to the Grace Point Church podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Amen, amen. Happy Father's Day to all of y'all, all the, grand, all the fathers, grandfathers, and great-grandfathers, and happy Father's Day to my dad. I'm excited to read scripture with you, a psalm of praise, Psalm 100. and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. Faithfulness to all generations. I am so grateful that my son, all my children, their spouses love the Lord, walking with the Lord, and baby, grandbabies are on their way there, all right? And, uh... Josh and Emma are expecting number our number five, so we're going to be grandparent number five in September and so pray for that. But anyway, exciting! Hey, I don't know if Allison Hill's in this service or the next service, but thank you, Allison Hill, because you were the very first one who submitted your favorite book of chapter in the book of Psalms, and it's, well, it became several other people's Favorite chapters. And so we're looking at Psalm 100 uh, as the first submittal and one of those that uh, certainly rose to the top and certainly encapsulates the entire book of Psalms as we are studying the Psalms of the Summer. Really, when you look at the book of Psalms, it is a book of worship. All right? It is. helping us worship, it is educating us in worship, it is stirring up inside of us worship, it is hopefully lifting our eyes out of our circumstances and on to the Father and on to our Creator, and hopefully recentering our life, getting back, as we just sang, to the very heart of worship. It's not about the song, it's not about the preacher, it's not about the building, it's not about this, it's not about that, it is about you, Lord Jesus. That is our focus when it comes to the very heart of worship. If you haven't jumped into our Psalms in the Summer reading plan, do that because we've got a lot of people reading through. I enjoy reading how you're interacting, how God is speaking to you and being a part of that process of your own journey. It encourages me as I, as you read the Word and interact with it. Uh, so please continue to do that. This past, th- I think it was Tuesday, I read Psalm uh, 13. If you're in the reading plan, you sometime this week probably read Psalm 13. But I think it, what it shows us when you read through the Psalms that you can worship, because it's a book about worship, you can worship God in the lowest of the lows or in the highest of the highs. You can worship God in the lowest of the lows because in, uh, in Psalm 13, it's one of those lament psalms that we talked about last week. It says this, How long, O God, will you forget me? I will trust in your steadfast love and I will sing to the Lord. That's the last part. But he begins with the whole question. God, are you forgo- have you forgotten me? Have you abandoned me? Have you given up on me, God? But at the end, he comes back and lands on, I will trust you. I will sing to the Lord. So again, even if you're your lowest of lows or the highest of highs, you can worship the Lord. In fact, you should worship the Lord. The worship is less about, Psalms will teach us less about you and your condition and more about God and his position in who he is in our lives and in our circumstances that we might be going through. It's a book about worship. So if you haven't found Psalm 100, definitely open it up. It's a short chapter. Uh, and uh, you can read it, in fact, I would even encourage you to consider memorizing it, letting it stir within you a heart for worship, uh, one of the very first books, because again, worship is a word that's kind of mysterious it's kind of soft you don't really know what it is you, you i mean you do, it's hard to put words on it. Uh, I can remember whenever I was a, 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 a maybe maybe a freshman in college, I picked up a book by uh Warren Wearsby called Real Worship. And it became literally, and it's still to this day, probably my go-to book on what worship is. It helps me understand. It gives me a biblical framework for it. But it's also very clear in what it is, what worship is. This is the definition that he writes in his book, Real Worship. Worship is the believer's response to of all that he is, everything is about Mike McDaniel, his emotions, his will, his body, to all that God is, says, and does. So it's a total Mike McDaniel experience to a total God experience in me responding to the God of the universe. How He is with me and walking with me and guiding me through life. Listen, as I realize what worship is, as I put my definition on what worship is, or as I put maybe the criteria of what worship should look like in my life, and hopefully even in your life, is that I need to give God my first and my best. He deserves my first. He deserves my best. Because he, again, my total experience, responding to the totalness, of the, the the completeness of God, he gave me his first and his best, his son. He's giving me forgiveness and life eternal. So, if he's giving me his first and best, who am I not to give my first and best? Now, think about every category of your life. If you could again stick to that, to stick to that definition. Mind, emotions, body, everything about who you are is given in response back to him. So I'm giving my first and my best. And again, if you've been at Grace Point Church any length of time, you've heard me say this a hundred times because again, it's kind of the criteria in my mindset of what it means to give him my first and my best. I give God the first day out of every week. I don't let other things come involved in this. Even when I'm not pastoring, this is absolutely the Lord's day. The first moments of every day. I've realized that I'm better in the day, in the latter part of the day, in my worst moments of the day, because I first spent my first moments with God to start my day. I give him the first dime out of every dollar. Yes, that's real, and yes, that means every dollar that, that Lori and I make, right off the top, in the beginning, it goes, 10% of it goes to Grace Point, because this is my church as an act of worship to God. I give him the first consideration in every decision. There's a lot of times that I want to make a decision. I want to do this, but I've got to back out of it. i got to say, God, what are your thoughts? What are your ways? Giving him my first and my best. Worship is actually not a Hebrew word or a Greek word. It's an Anglo-Saxon word that was developed in the 1300s. And it actually means this, to ascribe worth to something, to put value on something, to honor something. So whenever I'm worshiping and I'm giving God my first and my best, I'm literally saying that, God, you are worth. You are worth my first and my best. You're worth everything about me. I'm going to give that to you. This Psalm 100, if you haven't caught it, just in Josh's reading of it, it is very much a call to worship. He is calling us to worship God. He is calling us into worship. He's calling us into thanksgiving. He's calling us to come into His presence. He's calling us to sing praises. This is what worship is is about in so many ways. Actually, when you look at this passage of Scripture, it gives us the why, the who, and the how to worship. I think probably in my estimation, again, I'm still reading through it with you, but I'm thinking that Psalm 100 may be the most succinct Maybe SparkNote's version of what the entire book is about. If you want to understand what worship is, understand and study and replicate Psalm 100, and you'll be on your way to ascribing worth and value and honor to the God of the universe. We struggle with worship. Most of the people get angry at worship not because of theological issues, but because of personal preferences. I don't like the music, I don't like the haze, I don't like this, I like that, I do not like that. And we, we, we many times make our worship assessments based on style and not on substance. Think about that. We choose churches based on style, not on substance. So think about that when it comes to your worship. This is the way one person said it. Most middle class Americans tend to worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship. As a result, the meanings, their meanings and values are distorted, their relationship disentangled. Further than even we can keep in, them in repair, their lifestyles resemble a cast of characters in search of a plot. That's a description of a person who has playing at their worship. All of us are worshipers. We're all worshiping something. We're giving ascribing value to something. It could be our job. It could be our lifestyle. It could be our hobbies. Just look inside of how you are living out your life, and you will see what you worship. Ask those closest to you, what am I really ascribing the most value towards? Again, I want to talk about the the why. I want to talk about the who. And I want to talk about the how of what worship looks like. Three basic questions, if you will, to worship Based on Psalm 100, so look closely here. It gives us the why. The why do we worship? Why? Why do I do this? Because we're invited by the God of the universe. Some might even say we're commanded to what? To make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth. There, there are There's, there's a there's an invitation here to come into His presence with singing. There's an invitation throughout the Psalms to worship him. He demands it, he expects it, he deserves it. Let's read these verses out loud together. This is a participation message, okay? 95, Psalm 95, verse six and seven. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. Psalm 29, verse 2, read it with me. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Psalm 99, verse 9. Exalt the Lord our God and worship. Notice again the plurality of this. Notice the community of this. He's calling his people together. He's calling them to do what? To ascribe, to bow down, to worship, to give honor, to give respect, to give value to. So many times when you look inside of a church service, if you had an aerial view and you looked down, it would look a lot like a football game. You know a football game is 11... Players on the field, or 22 players on the field running around in desperate need of a break, and 70,000 fans in desperate need of exercise. (laughs) When you look at a church service, the people on the stage are doing all the worship, and the others are just like here. Does that describe you in desperate need of worship? He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It can just be joyful. It can be a noise. In fact, the word here means actually to shout. So let our voices declare the glory of the Lord. Let us worship him in his greatness. So many churches have reduced it down to a Coldplay concert and a TED Talk for a Sunday worship service. And we need to get back to the heart of worship. But in this verse, it's a call to you and I and to everybody that is around us. It is a call to worship Him. But it's not just a call to us. Notice the scope. He said all the earth. This is a call for all the peoples of all the earth, of all the tribes, the 3,000 plus tribes, 300,000 plus tribes of people out there that don't know God and don't have a relationship with him and aren't in connection to him, there's a call for them to worship. Look at these verses here, Psalm 67, verse 4. Notice the nations. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. Psalm 18, for I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. All the ends of the earth shall remember and and, and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship you. Psalm 22, 22, Psalm 45. Therefore, nations will praise and forever. Notice all that is involved, the rejoicing, the singing, the remembering, the praising, the worshiping, and it's a global. Listen, you'll hear about Grace Point Church in northwest Arkansas People will talk about us as being a missions church. We're all constantly going. You know why we go? We go because we are called to be worshipers who are inviting other worshipers to worship. We're inviting people to know the God who made them. Know the God who created and formed them has a beautiful plan for their life. Know the God who actually sent His Son to come and rescue them out of the mire of their own life. That's why we we are worshipers who are raising up other worshipers. Piper said it like this. He said, missions exist because worship doesn't. I can tell you this. When we moved to Zambia for four years, the Zambians taught us what it meant to worship. I was kind of one of those half Baptists that kind of raised my hands like this. I got you're, you're, when the church I grew up in. You were charismatic if you went any higher than the waist, any higher than ninety degrees. Man, they taught us to clap. They taught us to dance. They taught us to bow down. They taught us to raise our hands. They, they, they. they you're teaching me about worship. Worship happens on a global scale because we have a global God calling the nations to worship Him. Ten years ago, or for ten years, a matter of our church, we went to one African country. To this day, this is a less than 2% of this nation are born-again believers in Jesus Christ, primarily a Muslim nation. For ten years, we sent 119 unique individuals on 36 different teams to three and four and five and six different villages where we would go and share the gospel and live in that village and eat among the, the people. In January 2017, on the last trip that went over to, uh, to, to Mali, we handed off the baton. And I got this picture a few weeks ago. And by the way, your offerings help provide this food for 100 people who are gathering in the courtyard of our, our missionary that we, that we commissioned, named, I'm gonna just call him John, and he is now still presenting the gospel there, raising up worshipers. Listen, my friends, that 's worthy of praise of faithfulness, of raising up worshipers. missions exist because worship does not. So what, the whole the whole why, why do we worship? Because God invites us to worship. Who, do, who am I uh, to worship let 's get to know our God i 'm afraid that some people if not most people, who don't worship, they don't worship because they don't know God. He is an infinite God. You will never know him. If you are bored with God, you are not bored with the God that I know or the God of the Bible. There are so many attributes of God that you can zero. Systematic theologians have put them into categories calling them the attributes of God. You've got to know His love, and you've got to know His justice, and you've got to know His mercy, and you've got to know His grace. But it's not just cognitive knowledge. It's a heart level, it's a deep level knowledge that you know of, of His power, and He's all-powerful, and He's all-knowing, and He's everywhere at once. You could take one of those and study it for 12 months and not cover the end of it. The depths of our God. It will take eternity to understand the infinity of our God. So what you have many times in a worship experience is you'll have one theme, one word, one concept, one idea, one big picture idea that you're trying to get across. And there's one big picture idea in Psalm 100 that he is getting across, and that is God's goodness. God's goodness. If you look at verse 3 and verse 5, it's the, the psalm is kind of written in two stanzas. First of all, he makes the statement that the Lord, he is God. That's the first stanza, kind of the theme of the first stanza. He is God, and not only is he God, but he is, in the last part, he is good. He is a good God. God is good, and all the time. All right? You heard this phrase before. Let's say it together out loud. God, I'm going to say the small print. You say the large print. God is good. All the time. Let's say it again. God is good. All the time. All the time. I'm going to reverse it. You say the first part. God is good. All, the time. All the time. God is good. Live in that moment. Live in that truth. Let it sink in. We're told to taste and see that the Lord is good. We're told that the Lord, He is good. His love endures forever. We're told that all things work together for good because of him. We're told that every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father of lights. Our God is good. So who are you worshiping? In Psalm 100, he's telling you to worship the good, everlasting, forever good God of the universe. God is good. All the time. You know, I want you to think about right now. Something in the past days, weeks of your life that God has done in your life that's good. Think about it. That should energize, fuel your worship. You've heard me talk for months about anxiety that I dealt with in 2020, this is 23 right now, right, 2022, that carried over a little bit into 2023, and the reality is you've prayed for me, I've asked you to pray for me, and I appreciate that, God has heard your prayers. I went from sleeping about three to four hours a night and waking up in anxious thoughts, If you looked at my sleep tracker today, I'm sleeping seven and eight hours a night. Since March, my anxiety has dropped tremendously. God is good, and He has been good to me. Amen. That's right. God is good? All the time? Say it like you mean it. God is good? All the time? How do we worship? Okay. We know that we should worship because God's invited us into worship. We also know who we are worshiping, the good God, the God of uh, of all times. But how do we worship? How is it that we worship? Listen, if we ever lose the wonder, we will lose our worship. Ask God to restore the wonder of Himself to you. Whenever you look at this passage of Scripture, you see several components of parts if you want to see. I want you, in your mind as we're going through these, I want you to see if you can identify these components, these these things, these these elements that we incorporate into our worship right here every single week. Every single week. The part of who we are. It's not just we're just doing this because we have time to, to feel. This is what is biblical according to Psalm 100, at least in many other places. One, it involves service to God through others. To, uh, through, through others. So I'm going to serve God while I'm serving others. That is the way that we are to do. We're called in verse 2 to serve the Lord with gladness. Well, how do I do that? Well, he breaks it down pretty clear. He gives us a posture, he gives us an attitude, and he gives us a name. We Posture is that we're serving. That's a posture of our heart. I'm willing to get in there. There's no job too small, and there's nothing that I'm not willing to do. I'm willing to serve. But I'm also going to do it with gladness. That's the attitude that I'm going to have when I serve. But who am I doing it to? I'm doing it to the Lord. You might have helped out last week at day camp. You might have, are, are at uh, at, at Camp. You might have helped out. You might be helping out in, in preschool following this service. You might help out on Wednesday night with our student ministry. Great, serve the Lord with gladness. Let it not be a drudgery. Don't lose that wonder of worship. Say, God, restore the wonder so that I can re, re, come back to worshiping you again. Because this is the Jesus way. Jesus emptied Himself and made Himself a servant. It says in Philippians. Jesus said, when you do this unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. That attitude and that action of service, of even caring for the least person out there. We're most like Jesus when we're serving. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We're like Jesus when we're serving other people. And nothing is too small of a task for anybody. Jesus got with his disciples He took off. He got into the dirt dirt and the grime. He got and washed their feet and then He told us to go and do likewise. Listen, if you're not serving, we used to have a phrase, serve one, worship one, but really worship is even service. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, read it for yourself. I don't have it on the screen, but it literally tells us our, our act of worship is in service. Whenever you are serving you are worshiping the Lord. Do you have a place of service? Find that place. We have a a, a way that you can connect this Sunday to start exploring what that looks like. Just text in GPC um, text in GPC serve to 9700 because every one of us needs to have that inhaling and exhaling Sunday morning when you're sitting in this room, I pray that you're inhaling the truth, the wisdom, the direction of God. And then when you go out of here, you're finding that place that you can plug in and you can serve. Number two, we sing about God, but we also sing to God. It's a part of worship. It calls us to sing. <clears throat> there are 122 times, you count them for yourself, 122 times that this phrase is used in the Psalms alone. His steadfast love. Now, I hope in this series on, uh, through the Psalms that I'm gonna take a good chunk of time and dive into that. You pray I have that space and time for that. Because that phrase right there literally populates nearly the entire book. It is such a powerful statement. It is one Hebrew word that we can't even put into one English word. And we have to put it into multiple English word, words to get the. Full impact of that one Hebrew word. So when I tell you that we are singing about God, this phrase is used in the last statement in uh, Psalm 100. It says, the steadfast love endures forever. Whenever you think about that steadfast love, we're singing about the God of the universe. His transcendence. He is beyond our understanding. Again, if you lose your wonder, you'll lose your worship. Ask God to show his vastness, his greatness, his, his, his incalculableness of, of who he is and how you cannot fully embrace him and understand him. His steadfast love. It's just one of those areas that we can zero in on worship. But it's not just singing about God. It's singing to God. When we sing about God, we're talking about his transcendence. When we're singing to God, we're talking about his imminence That he is near, he is close, he is with us. We can sing to God. God is a part of our worship. Sing to Him. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, it says. Come into His presence with singing. Again, I don't want to be critical. Even sometimes you don't know the words. But man, have an attitude. Sing what you can. Let a joyful noise come out as much as you can because it's a part of our worship. It's a part of our declaration. What happens when we start singing truth we start drowning out the lies. Seeing truth drowned out the lies. Augusta, North African, Augusta of a hippo, late 300s, early 400s was around, was a major contributor to even theology as we know it to this day. Read his book of confessions. Read the city of God. I'm reading through his book of confessions, which is very personal, very transparent, about the struggles of his own life in sin and how whenever he he grew up in the faith, walks away from the faith years later, lives this riotous, promiscuous lifestyle that he lives. And when he becomes a follower of Jesus after hearing the book of Romans, becomes a follower of Jesus, and reenters into the worship of brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is what he said. When I remember the tears that I shed on hearing the songs of the church in the early days, soon after I recovered my faith, and when I realized that nowadays it is not the singing and moving me, but the meaning of the words when they're sung in a clear voice, in the most appropriate tune. I again acknowledge the great value of this practice. So I I waver between the danger that lies in gratifying the senses and the benefits which I know from experience can accrue from singing. The value of singing the words. Listen, I I listen to our Spotify playlist on a regular basis. Every Sunday morning before I'm entering into this room, I've already prayed and sang through the worship set that we're going to sing here on Sunday morning. All of this is tools to help you to come into a place of worship. So it's it's not just you're coming in in a spectator sport, watching the band do their thing, listening to a talking head do his thing. But you are coming and you are bringing your worship into this room. But it's also the knowledge, Scripture, the knowledge that leads to life change. You talk about the elements that make up worship, service to God through others, singing to God and about God. But it's also gaining knowledge that leads to life change. Our worship services are planned. My message is I'll go away for a week here in a couple of weeks and I'll be gone and I will disconnect and I will unplug and I will listen to God. Well, God, what are you saying to Grace Point Church in the next day? Where are you leading us spiritually as we move into the future? That will then begin to shape our worship times together, our our time together, because we're a word centered church. It is about this book and it shaping our worship, our thoughts, our meditations. 1 Timothy, Paul tells young Timothy, he says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. This This is what I'm a part of. It's not just my thing. This is actually, if I'm not here, somebody else should be here doing what I'm doing devoting ourselves to the reading of His Word, teaching, exhorting one another. The early, the, the early church, one of the first things that marked them is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean for you and me? We're going to shape our church around the Word of God, around the teaching of His Word, around this being at the center of that. What does that mean and look like in your day-to-day life? I told you last uh, two weeks ago about three words that you need to put into your vocabulary. no, be, and do. When you see in this passage of Scripture, him pointing to the knowledge of God, know God. He says, know the Lord. He is God. What is God teaching you about himself? When you're reading through the Psalms on your own, are you listening for who God is? So that you increase the wonder, so that your worship overflows out of the wonder because you just learned a truth about God? You just experienced his steadfast law? What is the the truth of God? What was the knowledge of God helping you in your wonder, driving at your worship? But no leads to be. Who's He shaping you to be? The God who made us? He made us? We're living in a day of an identity crisis and dysphoria and struggling about our identity, who we are and who we belong to and what, 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 what our value is? Listen, He made us. We are His where is people my identity is not tied to my feelings emotions my thought my position my rank and file in the society in which i live my identity is made and based on the person who made me and calls me his let that sink in no be who are you becoming do the scriptures are constantly calling us to do in this passage of Scripture, you'll find that there are six imperative commands. He tells us to make, to serve, to come, to know, to enter, to give. He's constantly calling us to act on what we know, how we are becoming, so that we can do what, do what God is calling us to do. Because why? We are the sheep of His pasture. We are becoming. What is God teaching you right now about Him? The fourth component that you see in this passage is generous thanksgiving. Look at this list again. These are the parts of worship. Those this next slide up, guys. Serve, singing, knowledge that leads to life change. Generous thanksgiving. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. I'm going to come into this worship place I'm going to come into this space. In the Old Testament, the old, Old Testament, it was the tabernacle. It moved to the temple. In the New Testament, it moved to home to home. In the 300s, it moved into church buildings. I'm going to come into wherever He is, wherever people of God are, and I'm going to bring thanksgiving. It's a part of who I am. I'm going to give thanksgiving to Him. Reminded of the hymn. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. When upon life's billows you are tempted and tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I pray that you will take an inventory of your life today and look at where God is showing up in your life. What's he teaching you in your life? How's he showing himself off to you? But here's what I want you to realize That what is it? Worship is not only me giving everything about me to everything I know about God. It is literally me bringing myself to Him. Offering myself to Him. You'll notice in the Psalms, as you read through the Psalms, that thanksgiving was tied to offerings. Psalm 56 verse 12, I will render thank offerings to you. Psalm fifty, verse fourteen, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and call on the name of the Lord. Listen. Listen, whenever we go, this is not a worship service that I come into and I consume it like a like a nice steak or a nice meal in a nice restaurant. And then I I I say thank you to the waiter, and I throw a tip on the table, and I walk out as if I've been served. No, no, no. No, God is not our waiter. He is not our servant, He's not our cook. He is our Lord. He is our God. Have you lost that wonder? Because when that wonder's there, you're going to want to worship Him. And when you want to worship Him, you're going to make sacrifices of thanksgiving. And it will involve monetary. There's a monetary element. So much so that when David was given an opportunity to give an offering that was going to cost him nothing, he refused it. He says, I will not offer a burnt offering to the Lord that cost me nothing. That sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, there's an unintended consequence that came out of COVID. Normally, before before COVID, we, we passed a basket and there was a time and a space in our worship service where maybe it's a couple minutes, we took up an offering. Well, a lot of people are going online and that's by far the better way to go. I'll say it's more secure in so many ways and it's just better uh, for you and consistency in so many ways. But the unintended, we didn't know this, the unintended consequence is we stopped giving space for you to think and to be thankful and you to be generous and sacrificial. I'm going to say we're going to bring the baskets back, but I will say this. I want to give you space right now to inventory, to do an audit of your worship. Do you know why you're here? Do you know who you're worshiping? Do you know how to worship? Through serving? Through singing? About Him and to Him? Through life-changing word encounters of, of His word and His truth that will help you know Him, help you become who you really want you to become, and give you a direction for your life to do. But because of all that He is and all that He's doing, I want to bring a sacrifice offering to Him. It's not about raising money. It's about raising worshipers. Would you bow your heads You might be thinking today the call to action is giving, is a generosity thing. And it's part of it. I'll not be bashful about that. We don't talk about it hardly at all. So if it's uncomfortable, I'm sorry. It's a part of worship. But you know what? Before God wants your money, He wants your heart. He wants you to come with your heart towards Him, in love with Him, growing in the wonder of him that will feed the worship of him. So in this space of silence, would you just reflect on the goodness of God? Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live sent